So you wanna watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's dark for movie night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. How is your evening going, Senor Jared? Very good, sir. Very good. Good to see you as always. Good to be chatting with you. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, this, all, this part always feels a little awkward to me. we got to yeah, figure out how to, how to you and I've been We've been talking for over an hour, and now we're just like, <laughs> it's just like weird we're, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just oh, pretending. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for those who don't know, I mean, we I, we aren't releasing a lot of this stuff, but we do a lot of kind of intro banter just to catch up on each other's weeks and to, you know, kind of flow into this. Um, this week's banter rolled fairly long, but, uh, you know, generally between 30 and 40 minutes, I would say. Mm. Um, but yeah, this... Uh, we're, we're, we're deep in it already. Yeah, deep We've in it already. We've been talking for a while at this already, point. I'm already half a beer in. It's, it's going great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Substances we, have been consumed. Yeah. But anyway, I think we should kind of just cannonball in regarding Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> I'm trying to... Like, listen back to some of our edits. I'm like, I say dive in all the time. I'm going to do little <laughs> tweaks. I'm going to do a variety of different types of jumping into pools and, and bodies of water instead okay, of diving. Okay. Yeah, is it going to yeah. be a new a new diving technique every week? I think so. I think it might be a fun little game that I might try of like, okay, i got to Google different types of dives. Um, but anyway, swan diving in. I was just going to say swan dive again, but I didn't want to burn through two because I know I know so few dives. <laughs> well, we just uh, up yeah. the difficulty level on you. There we go. So as we swan dive into you know Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> let's do the traditional questions. This is a Drew Clark choice. So yes, and it was one that was not on the original board. This is one we added after the fact. Yeah. So I'll ask you kind of what led to you putting it on the board. This is a movie that I've always been interested in. I am a big fan of Steven Soderbergh, specifically like in this period, because this was, you know, just like I think when he was reaching his full powers as a filmmaker. Um, this is coming out around the same time. I mean, I mean, it came out the same year as Traffic, and he was nominated for both movies, which is crazy. really. That's, yeah. that's 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 yeah. And he won for Traffic, so that's like some Francis Ford Coppola shit. <clears throat> it's wild. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's, you know, incredibly prolific at this time. He also made Ocean's 11 the following year. He made, um, just a bunch of great movies around this time, but I, I've always loved him as a filmmaker, found him, found him fascinating. And, uh, Julia Roberts has always been a little bit of an enigma to me. I, I really love her in Ocean's 11. Um, I have seen my best friend's wedding, which I found incredibly off-putting weirdly like i know that people really like that movie but it just doesn't doesn't do it for me mm. i guess i she's just an actor that hasn't ever fully connected for me as a a movie star and this is her iconic performance so i'm like well if i'm not going to vibe with her in this movie that i'm just not vibing with julia roberts right right, right um have you ever seen had you ever seen pretty woman no i haven't and see i haven't either I don't know. There's something about her as an actor that I just, I don't know what it is. It's just like, 
she's never been one that I'm like, yes, I want to watch a bunch of her movies. It's not like, you know, like I've had that reaction with like Nicole Kidman and like mm. Marissa Tomei. Like, like there are actors where I just, I watch a performance of theirs and I'm like, damn, like I need to see like all of their work. And I just don't have that reaction with Julia Roberts for some reason. But in terms of my, re- my reaction to this movie, um, now that, I mean, I put it on the board just cause I was like, this is a blind spot. I, I wanted some more modern stuff. I thought it would be an interesting one to check out. And I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know if I had the, the over the moon, like obsessive reaction to it that um, I've had with a lot of other movies that we've hit recently, yep. but I found it a really enjoyable watch. Uh, you know, David Chen from the slash film cast always talks about a good sit. I kind of felt like this was like a good sit. Uh, I, I just, I like investigative movies where it's people kind of uncovering corruption and, and, um, you know, thinking on this movie and watching it a second time this morning. Um, I think it's actually aging even better in my mind. I, I'm mm. really enjoying how it's sitting with me because I think I'm kind of unpacking a lot of the thematic, uh, stuff going on in this movie that that I found really really interesting and um, you know e- even if it's it's not like some Kubrick level you know layered textured thing like it's a very straightforward movie um, but I find it I find it really really beautiful and touching in, in a lot of moments so I, I had a great time with it what what were your thoughts on it so I had seen this movie before and I couldn't remember if I had seen it on TV or if it was like I watched it full through, I, I, I couldn't remember, but I had, I had bits and scenes in my head that were clear. And then as I dove back into it and watched it again for this, for, you know, for the show, mm-hmm. I was really surprised at how much of it I had really remembered. So it did kind of get burned in a little okay. bit. Yeah. There were very rarely scenes that I had forgotten. It was probably well over 10 years ago that I saw it. You know, I don't think I was even 20 yet at the time. So, I, I had that kind of interesting, oh, yes, I do remember this reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tie it back a little bit to our All the President's Men conversation just for a second, because I think that kind of almost in a way led to it being put on the board, if I remember that correctly, because um, it was another kind of investigative track down sort it's of It's definitely, story. yeah, it's definitely, I, I think we probably talked about it a little bit in that, that mm-hmm. episode, and then the following episode was when I put it on the board. Gotcha, yeah, I think that's what planted the seed. And and coincidentally, you said something in the All the President's Men episode where I was asking you about Frost v. Nixon because I was getting it confused with All the President's Men. And you said, it's fine. You know, it's like it's a Ron Howard movie. It's nothing offensive. It's just fine. And I think, ironically, I had a really similar reaction to Aaron Brockovich hmm. where it was like, I, I would say probably a little more positive than that. I, I wasn't super meh on it. It's a lot but, better than Frost Nixon. Yeah, I'll have to see Frost Nixon to confirm. But I had this sort of reaction where I was like, okay, there are certain scenes in it that I'm really not responding to and are kind of cheesy. And in a lot of ways, it's a very kind of traditional movie, quote unquote. Like, it's just a movie. Like, you're saying a good sit. It's like just a very straight down the barrel movie. And there is nothing wrong with that. And in a way, it's kind of refreshing because a lot of the movies we've chosen and have watched so far are kind of out there and, and, and just different. So it has been kind of a bit of a palate cleanser to just see a straight down the barrel movie. Mm-hmm. And so that said, there were stuff, like I said, that didn't work, but there were also a lot of scenes that were really great. And there was some stuff that was really haunting and really effective. I thought all the performances were incredibly strong. 
And yeah. so overall, I would say Soderbergh's I definitely clearly an actor's director with the performances he's he gets out of people. There honestly isn't a bad one in in the bunch. E- even smaller characters, people who have only a few minutes of screen time are delivering great performances. So it it becomes clear to me that Soderbergh has a talent for sure on on connecting with his actors and getting great performances from even small very roles. naturalistic performances that just they yeah. read as just very grounded. They work. Yeah. And I also wanted to circle back to you mentioning uh, Julia Roberts because I have kind of a similar reaction as you, and I'm wondering if maybe it's like a generational thing. Maybe we were either too young or too late when Julia uh, when Julia Roberts was really rising to connect with her. Well, yeah, um, I mean, we were both what eleven when this movie came out. Yeah, like so, like my, I think of my like sort of heroines, quote unquote, or like big movie stars that I reacted to when I was say in high school age and things where people like Salma Hayek and stuff like that. And I feel like Julia Roberts was just kind of in a little bit different of a time of her career at that point. And I, I, I had never really had an opportunity to really connect with her. Uh, but yeah. she is, I think super, super strong in this movie. I really it's think incredible. it's incredible. It's a, it's a brilliant performance. I mean, we, I think that's probably where we should start out with the conversation yeah. just cause I mean, it, it's, it's talked about as one of the great all-time uh, female performances. It's you know, I, and and I can see why. I mean, mm-hmm. she's it is so layered and textured, and and you know all the just those kind of adjectives. Like it's, yes, it's, you, you there's so much going on with this person, and you know it's it's um, you know it's a classic fight the system kind of you know rah rah type performance. You know it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of like uh, Sean Penn and Milk and like stuff like that. It's like, you know, yeah, of course we're rooting for this person. Like, yeah, that's great. Uh, but like, I think th- it's it's the nuances of it that that are really what what drew me to it. Uh, yeah, anyway, the little facial expressions and reactions and God, um, totally. She's such a natural. I also there's so many of the scenes that I was wowed by where she's like just interacting with her kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's it's so it just totally seems like they're actually her children. And like and it just shows that the, she's the character is obviously a very good mom and cares a lot about her children. And like I'm thinking of the scenes like where Albert Finney is asking her to come back to work and she's got the child on her lap on the couch. Mm-hmm. And it's just like kind of talking to the baby and also kind of marking Albert Finney's character at the same time. It's like stuff like that. She's just so natural in these scenes and like maybe a scene like the diner scene after she loses the first legal battle with the car accident issue. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like talking to her kids. She's like, Oh my fan, my lawyer took me out to a big fancy dinner. Like clear, like clearly lying about the fact that she's broke and, does not want to spend money on herself in this situation. Right. But like the way she's interacting with her kids was just like stealing my heart. She seems like such a good mother to these people. Well, and and yeah, it's the balance between being able to do that stuff as well as the drop the mic, fuck you retaliation type scenes that she pulls off. I mean, it's that's, that's where it's tricky The the, you know, it's tough to be able to do both of those things at the same time. Yeah, you're right because there's that that is just one small element of the character is her is her softer, more quote unquote maybe traditional feminine side for lack of a better term. And then she's also this kind of a very aggressive bulldog person who has a really strong sense of of justice and truth and getting to the bottom of things and does not let any person no matter what their position might be over her get in her way 
and and so it is kind of a very much underdog fight the system fight the power and fight the structure of things too so she was really a she was really a bright spot to me and another thing i loved about the character is the way that she just kind of weaponizes her charm and i'm thinking of that very first scene in the movie in a way not that it's really a, a high confrontational thing but she's in that job interview that's not going well Mm-hmm. I love movies that start like that, by the way. Soderbergh's done it a few times, too. He did it in Ocean's Eleven also, remember, when uh, Clooney starts in the prison being interviewed by the people off screen, and it's just him talking to the camera. Oh, that's that's great. Oh, quick aside, I think Ocean's Eleven might be a little underrated, by the way. like that uh, movie. I know it was super popular. Generation. It, like, I feel like our generation is giving it the proper recognition, but that movie is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's, like, great. Like, I think it's kind of... It, for my perception of it is that it gets lumped in it's kind of like somewhat of a popcorn movie category yeah. but I think that movie is just straight up great like, I'd put it in the top three all-time heist movies with uh, Heat and I'd have to think about the third yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's a third it's, in it's, there it's up there for sure but yeah the movie just dives right in it's like it's like we have the production slides or like the companies involved and then it's just I feel like we hear Julia Roberts speaking over black and then it, and then we're just right in it Right, I love, in it. I, that's always a, a good lead in. Per, yeah, it's 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 a great great start, and obviously we're seeing this job interview that's not going well, and when her, the, her face just completely transforms when she realizes she's not getting the job, like it the, at in the drop of a hat, and it's so cool. It's our first introduction to see this character's sort of differing sides and how she can really crank up the charm and tr- to try to get what she wants, but you could see that kind of facade fall as soon as she does not get what she wants or the, the, the jig is up, you know? Yeah. And it's it, like, and you're, it's you're great. right. It's like, it's almost like a little just summation of her as like a person and how she reacts to situations. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I loved, I love stuff like that. And I did have some issues with her performance in, in the way of there were scenes that I just really couldn't really jive with a lot. And a lot of them were this sort of mic drop scenes there's, Where, there, I would say there's at least two too many of those. Yeah, and I was like, ah, it's a little bit much. But maybe it was important for the character to do that stuff. We'll get into the specifics a little later about those, the scenes I had issues with. But overall, I thought Julia Roberts was great. Also, in a, in a kind of a vain way, but just so beautiful. And just like great to see on camera, just a, and a wonderful actor. Well, it's really interesting amazing. to think like when this movie came out, and you know, I mean, the the movie takes place in the early 90s the movie came out in 2000 um but even when the movie came out there was still this kind of puritanical view of of women you know pervasive in popular media and like there were questions among the studio execs as to like whether people would accept her because <laughs> of her dress and also because of how like vulgar her ridiculous you know, way of speaking ridiculous. is and like you think about it today and i'm like no, like the women I like all talk like this. For like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, And it's crazy that the studio heads and network people or whatever had these thoughts. And the movie, the movie aggressively challenges these assumptions and these ideas in a good way of just being like, you cannot, you cannot put someone in a box and you cannot make assumptions about them. And then they're doing that about the fucking movie itself. It's, it's so, so ironic. Funny. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. Um, I agree with no, you though. Those I, are the I, coolest I, types of ladies, man. They are. Just speak their mind Um, and are are really frank and honest. 
Yeah, I, I I just think it's a really like top to bottom great performance. And like, you know, say what you will about the movie, I think she absolutely deserves the Oscar she got for it. I think Oh, it's, she it's I didn't know that. She won the Oscar for it? Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. That was I don't know who else was there that year, but that it's a it's a great performance. It's really cool. Well, we've talked a, a good bit about Julia Roberts here. I you know, her performance is, is unimpeachable in my opinion. I agree. But I, I do wanna also get in some talk about Albert Finney because the dude fucking rules. So great. I want to ask you too, what's your relation to Finney? Do, do you have favorite performances of his? How, what, what movies? Have well, you, have my you? initial exposure to Finney was uh, from, from the born movies. Uh, he was, Oh, so he's right. only in, he's only an ultimatum, but I saw ultimatum my freshman year of college and he was in it and I was like, this guy fucking rocks. This is great. Yeah. Um, and this was before I watched a bunch of movies, uh, that year that was, it was pretty early, uh, in my movie kind of awakening freshman year of college. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I loved him in that. And then I, I watched uh, big fish shortly thereafter and he's great in big fish mm. as the, uh, the older version of Ewan McGregor. But the movie that blew my fucking mind when I saw it, that's Albert Finney's crowning achievement. Even This movie, he's great. But have you seen Miller's Crossing? I have, and I don't remember him in it. He's the mob boss. He's like the main like villain guy. Really? Okay, that's one. Is that, is that, that's not on the board, is it? No? no. Okay, so that's one I have been meaning to revisit because I saw it once super long ago, and I... I Remember not jiving with it, but it seems I clear that I need to give another shot. I love Miller's Crossing. That is like my second or third favorite Cohen. That's 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 awesome. I want to see I want to see this role now because I've I'm developing a bit of a of a kind of a celeb crush on this guy or an artist crush, you know. Well, you hinted earlier is he he's like you know inching up towards a, a big dog status with, with yeah, Jason I mean, Robards. Loyal listeners know there's only <laughs> one big dog. And that's Jason Robards. Jason Robards. I don't know. Maybe maybe one day someone will knock him off the mountain. I doubt it. But it He's could happen. Dog. He's the big dog, certainly as of now. So I think Albert Finney is maybe not quite big dog, but I'm thinking med dog. Med dog. <laughs> the medium, medium size. Dog. Medi- He's med dog. He's not big dog, but he's definitely a dog. And he is a homie. Like I, he- I really like seeing him on screen. Kind of has that Jason Robards sort of essence. Totally different, but my reaction to it is similar. Just, I just like him. He's also got a little bit of like Spencer Tracy energy. Yeah. Yeah, especially in this. Mm-hmm. Because the movie I, in my mind, had always tethered him to is Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Have you ever seen that movie? I have. A long time ago. It's been, it's been a while, but that's uh, the Lumet one, right? Yeah, it was Sidney Lumet's last film before he passed. Mm-hmm. And I have seen it maybe three times, three or four. And I find myself in the camp that I think that movie is severely underrated and underseen. I think it's an amazing flick. Philip Seymour Hoffman gives an amazing performance in it. And, and it's also so heartbreaking to see now because an aspect of his character in that film is that he's a heroin addict. So it's mm. really, it's really haunting now, but I'd forgotten that. Uh, but Ethan Hawke is incredible in it. And Albert Finney plays the father. Ethan Hawke and Philip Seymour Hoffman are brothers, and Albert Finney is their older father. And that was the first time I ever really remember seeing him. And he's great in that movie. And I, okay. I, I really like him as an actor. And he's great in this. 
I think he's got like I. This is where I really see when you said the Spencer Tracy energy. I totally get that. He's kind of he's 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 got this great kind of pep in his step, and he's just he's he delivers lines really well, and he's just uh, just a great character. He's There's like also he's on the just right the side. kind of the knowingness behind his eyes a little bit is what I see mm-hmm. of like Spencer Tracy, where it's like, you know, Tracy kind of has this energy of just like, uh huh, yeah. Like, I know what you're thinking, but you don't know that I know kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I I got a little bit of that from from Finney, especially like when he's like at the end when uh, when they're kind of doing their mic drop to the lawyers together instead of just her doing a mic drop. And uh, and he's you know, that that's when I kind of see some of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how many shots in this movie are there of fucking Finney? smirking at something that that julia roberts just said <laughs> there are so many reaction smirk shots i just can't even get over like it 50 percent of his shooting schedule was smirks. Yeah. yeah so what we're gonna so she just said something outlandish yet again you're gonna need to to, to try to smother a smile here i think my <laughs> like, favorite my favorite bit and and the one that is just really heartwarming to me is um they have that meeting with the shithead you know, teenage lawyer, basically, mm-hmm. uh, from from uh, PG and E, that gives them you know the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars shit settlement proposal, mm-hmm. and uh, they walk out of that meeting and he's pissed and he's you know yelling about like you know like and they get to the point where they're like fuck you fuck you yeah. and then he like starts chuckling after she yeah, says yeah, fuck yeah. you back and like I don't know just like that interaction is just I I love stuff I, like that I think I that's love, so fun to watch I, I love his eyes in that shot when he's yeah. kind of ripping his tie off and he's in the fuck you fuck you altercation it's real close up on his face and he starts chuckling like you're saying and his eyes just look kind of crazed and and mm-hmm. this kind of great combination of of disrespected hurt, but enjoying the the jabs of Aaron Brockovich, you know, and, and, or with Julia Roberts, and just like, and it's also like it's on now. Like in, that's when in his eyes I see like fuck these people, we're taking them down. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's like got a little bit of crazy in his eyes there. I like it. No, it's really fun to watch. He's he's a great actor, man. Um, yeah. Go watch Miller's Crossing again, even if you decide not to put it on the board. I think that you know, is- yeah, I don't think it's going to be a board choice because we both have seen it. I'm just going to watch it on my own time, and just we'll touch base it, on it again. It's just a great one. I mean, it's yeah. Coen Brothers. You can't go wrong. You're like, you're yeah. not going to have a bad time. You're going to find stuff that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about Finney. We talked about Roberts. Anything else you wanted to hit about Finney before we move on? Just no, overall, just can, great. Right? I think we can just yeah, he's great. Um, I do want to just, you know, quickly kind of touch on just, you know, supporting performances that we definitely because like. I think this movie's chock full of just great side characters that you just get a few scenes of. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think you had one that you wanted to highlight. Yeah. So I'd say maybe an argument could be made for this person is, is third billing. But I really liked Aaron Eckhart's performance in this as kind of this. Great. Kind of a character that if you just judged him visually, honestly, like a flip of Aaron Brockovich's character in a little ways, a lot like Aaron Brockovich is constantly getting judged for how she presents herself to the world. And I think people do that with the George character, too, because he's got the sort of rough around the edges biker look that he's sporting in this very non-traditional lifestyle. But it's we see throughout the movie that he's really warm hearted, like great with kids, seems to have really good uh, motivations for his interactions with Aaron. Um, and I just thought it was a really strong performance. There were some character beats that didn't really work for me, but it wasn't because of the performance. It was like the scenes felt a little stodgy or a little hammy, but 
but he was always great in his roles. And I particularly just wanted to give a shout out to after they first meet each other, where George is revving the motorcycle across the street and Aaron Brockovich, Julia Roberts storms across and confronts him and he tries to get her number and, and all that stuff. And when she slams the door on him and walks away and he walks back towards his friends and does that collapse of like death like on the lawn of like this did not go well <laughs> sort of thing. It really cracked me up. I thought it was a really good little little fall and it's just a really funny beat in the movie. And he, I think he had a lot of stuff like that, like nice touches that he did really naturally for me. I think it might be my favorite performance I've seen from Aaron Eckhart, actually. Really? Um, yeah, and I'm not, I generally am not a fan of his. I find him, his, uh, something about his delivery to be very unnatural it, it it does it doesn't it feels unreal in a lot of movies like i i do not he i think he's the worst performance in the dark knight easily yeah um i don't i don't think he works in that movie personally but um have you seen thank you for smoking i have and i and i like it um i don't love that movie i i have a i mean morally i have a lot of issues with that movie mm. um but i i think performance wise it's it's a good performance it's it doesn't blow my mind um, but this one, I, I, I really loved it. Just, it felt very, uh, lived in. Um, mm. I, I think he, he, he's playing a very specific role in this movie. And this is kind of getting to some of the stuff I want to get to later when we're, you know, we, I, I really want to talk about themes of this movie and kind of what this movie is, is kind of mulling. Yeah. I want to talk about some, like what this movie has on its mind. A lot of it is, is talking about, uh, male and and female gender roles and and mm. um you know he's kind of representing this masculine uh character on paper of a biker guy who you know has you know he's just this this macho man but he's mm. also this very sentimental person who you know can take care of her kids and like be be this parental figure and the stay-at-home figure in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um i don't know i i found him to be he he brought a lot of warmth to this character that I didn't I've never seen from him in a character before. Yeah, I think I would agree. I've never seen him be so warm and kind of charming and 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 kind of so sweet. He normally plays shifty characters or you know, I, I guess I'm kind of like you. The other movies that come to mind are Thank You for Smoking and and Dark Knight. And outside of that, I can't I don't have a strong memory of a lot of his other performances. But you're right. We've never really seen him tap into this sort of warm side of his of 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 the that the character has you know very very kind of i I'm, i don't know what the right word is you know like of like like motherly for back of lack of a better word or like stay at homeish i guess but well but i mean it's it's interesting i mean the movie is like it, it's highlighting his masculinity and and that conflict because you know i think of the scene where he's first starting to kind of have thoughts of of this isn't working uh which mm -hmm. is when they're at the picnic and she's kind of handing out you know flyers to to get more people to sign up for the lawsuit and he's taking care of the kids and he's like holding this baby you know and he's still dressed like a, a like a biker mm -hmm. but he's staring out at the highway and he sees this group of you know bikers all riding together and he's like that's what i could be doing but i'm doing yeah. this yeah. And and it's that that internal conflict between like his masculine identity versus this family you know motherly identity that yeah. he's assumed. Um, well, and, and yeah, 
And probably anybody, regardless of gender, who's who's on the stay-at-home side of things, people who maybe are fortunate enough to have that opportunity in a in a two-parent household. Sure, I shouldn't household. gender like the stay-at-home, like, but yeah, yeah, it's like anybody must have that that moment of 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 that yearning for freedom from the current scenario at times. Mm-hmm. You know, even no matter how much the, the but I just think it's so loved, interesting you know? that he's like that that traditional masculine identity of a biker, like this yeah. hard ass, you know, like I don't know. Yeah. It's just like it's very interesting. Yeah, I myself like like my initial reaction was like, that's a little on the nose. It's very on the nose. Like, don't a, get a me wrong. A squad of bikers goes by and he just looks I kinda chuckled at it. But I do think it I do think it's interesting on it a worked, character though. level. It I think it The it way was, they executed you can question. Yeah, it was heavy handed, but at the same time, it it very clearly put me in his headspace in that moment. So I don't know, totally. I don't know how I feel about it honestly. But but yeah, I agree about the character overall. A really strong performance and an interesting. Uh, I honestly haven't seen a lot of male characters like this. Not even just from Aaron Eckhart, but just in movies in general. Um, we don't really see a lot of this stuff, or I haven't anyway. No, no, I'm with you. No. Um, other small performances to highlight. I mean, I. I I really wanted to talk about Marge Hel- uh, I don't know if it's Marge or Marg, uh, mm. but I'm going to say Marge. Marge Helgenberger, who was on CSI for years and, and has just been kind of a character actor for, for a long, long time. I think she's just great as Donna Jensen. I do too. Uh, and, and specifically, I want to highlight the scene where Aaron kind of gets her to understand the gravity of, of what's going on. And she like, and she's like, well, no, but like it couldn't be this because the doctor said that it wasn't this. And she's like, well, who hired the doctor? And she has the realization. And then she looks out the window and her kids are playing in the water in the pool. And the just the realization and then her reaction of just rushing out and like, get out of the fucking pool. Like yeah. it's just it's such a such a visceral, like, like you you feel it. And she's yeah. she's so great. Dude, that movie, that that scene. Is was so effective for me, and so like good. her performance. That might is be great the scene of the scene. movie, honestly. And it's and I love also how long Soderbergh holds that shot where the gears are turning in her head, mm-hmm. because before she rushes out to tell the children to get out of the pool, it, if I'm remembering right, it's like five seconds of her. Oh, yeah. her no, eyes she, kind she of she darting. Kind of goes, no, no, she's she's processing, and yeah. and you see, it just looks so natural. And also, when she goes out, and I just got goosebumps thinking about it too. Like it just, it, how, you know, how great that scene is, and how terrifying it is for the character. When she runs out, the cut back to Julia Roberts' reaction is amazing too. She's great. She's great in that sequence as well. And just, I can't imagine how hard reaction shots must be for actors, but that's a really, really good one where she's just kind of sitting there. And, you know, probably thinking of her own kids as well and how she would feel if that was her situation and also being super empathetic for this other person. Well, and I think it's also like uh, up until that point, it's still a job. But then like she's realizing the gravity of what, you know, this is doing to people and just how horrifying it is. And and I think like like, you know, because I think up until that point in the movie, Aaron is driven primarily by a need for work. And a need just to like support her family, yeah. and you know that 
even up until the point where she starts discovering what this thing is happening and there's the whole bit with, you know, Finney firing her and then she kind of like self-righteously gets her job back and it's kind of like a redemption of just like, you know, her individually to get this case. But then like the case becomes more important than herself at that point. For sure, for sure. And I I really too, I just wanted to give two other shout outs with her specifically, this actor. Um, the scene where it's revealed that she has cancer and it's going to has cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that scene is heartbreaking and she's amazing in that scene too. And the scene where the, 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 the she and Aaron Eckhart's character arrive to announce the, the winning, the, not the winnings, <laughs> what, what, what they're going to be allocated. Uh, and that's, she's amazing there too. And that scene is where that was really effective for me emotionally with those, like the, even though I said like, I'd be fun or not fun, but it'd be interesting if the movie maybe meant more of a bittersweet tone. All that said, those really positive, joyful scenes of, of, of justice and retribution to some extent being found were really effective. And she was a key, key part of that scene working. And she's really, really, really good. Totally. I just really quick wanted to circle back to 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 Aaron Brockovich's and George's relationship in a little bit, like oh okay, because just I was just thinking like I love that speech, not the speech, but what the line that Julia Roberts gives when they're arguing and he's and George is getting ready to leave and he's got the earrings and saying like it was six months ago you did I got these you know hoping you'd do something nice and nothing's happened. I love when Julia Roberts mentions something along the lines of like. Every time I've like men have been telling me what to do and what not to do. That's like been the biggest flaw in my life. And now you're asking me like not to do that. And, and you're, you're trying to like all the other, a lot of the other men in my life trying to control my decisions. And I've finally found something that is important to me that I'm good at. And you're asking me not to do it. I had a I kind of had a hard time with, with that aspect of George, the character. I, and I know he he was under a lot of pressure to be the fatherly figure and things like that, and it was it was exhausting, and he wanted that freedom too. But it, it just seemed a little bit for me like um, I don't know. I wish he would. He well, wish he was more understanding that that well, this was really that's important. The point. Was I mean, he he has a selfish moment, and he comes back. Um, that's true. And, and in real life, that character did not come back. Uh, really, he did, he did help out like nannying after the breakup, but it was not. Um, yeah, they're they're not like back together or anything. Mm. Um, but I mean, I think that's that's part of this character's redemption arc is like he, he needs to like make that shitty choice so that when he has the moment, you know, you know, the scene that you referenced before with Marg Helgenberger and and Julia Roberts and him, where she's finding out how much she got in the case, um, his that's that's a moment where Julia Roberts. AKA the woman in this circumstance is informing the man, Hey, look, being this, this, you know, stay at home parent that's taking care of the kids and like, like supporting the family. That's a really powerful thing too. And yeah. you were a part of me being able to do this good. Yeah. Yeah. That's you a know? real good line too. Like, I want to see what you helped accomplish. You know, yeah. You I want did, for, you did you this as much as I did. I could yeah. not have done this if you didn't, yeah. you weren't there. So it's like, it's like, it's reframing things for him and letting him kind of come to terms with it differently. Yeah. And I did like that the character came back around and that was another part that made that scene so powerful. That final one where the, you know, 
the scene we're talking about. So, yeah, but I don't know. That was just a bit of a thing where I was like, ah, I really wish this this male character was more understanding. Um, but, again, he does come back around. And also, I didn't know, like I said, that they didn't end up getting back together in real life. And right when you said that, I was like, oh, I guess the movie never explicitly says that they're back together. It's like true. I, I certainly assumed they were. But, they're you know, they're in the car together kind of sharing this moment. But it's not saying that they're they're back together, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's one last performance I want to just touch on real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a guy named Tracy Walter. He plays a character named Charles Embry, uh, who is the character who is sort of creepy and, and freaks you out at first, but then you realize he's the guy who's going to deliver the evidence that closes the case. Um, he's the one who photocopied the things that were supposed to be shredded. So, I wanted to highlight him just because this man is Bob the Goon from Batman, and we need to talk about Bob the Goon because he's one of the great all-time supporting uh, villain characters from a superhero movie. He's the right-hand man to the Joker in Batman, and uh, Bob the Goon needs to be praised (laughs) for being in all of our lives. So anyway, sorry. So who is he in Batman? He is Bob the Goon. So and who? Sorry, I I know that, but... uh... Who who is Bob the Goon? I guess I should say he's and Bob is, the Goon. What the fuck do you want to know? <laughs> so is he like uh, the Joker's right hand man? Yeah, or? he's the, he's okay. his he's a sidekick who's always just kind of like nervous about why the Joker is doing these crazy things, but enacts them anyway. <laughs> he's wrong occupation. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, but he's just Bob he's he's go back and watch Batman for Bob the Goon because it's just it's a great little side character that you're just like. <laughs> For some reason, he has just the most recognizable face, and he always pops in the scene next to Nicholson, and it's just great. I don't know. I love Bob Lagoon. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that for sure. And he, <laughs> he, he was great in this movie. I love that turn that that character makes. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, because it. it's like he's actually kind of a good guy. He's just has oh, no idea how to approach these things. <laughs> yeah, he's a great. He turns he's just out to be a great person. But it was like the creepiest intro of any yeah. character. Like, I'm sure I, I remember seeing the movie and thinking, like, is that the person who made the phone call? Like, you know, they had that very kind of creepy oh, phone call. Oh, yeah. That, I didn't even I'm think like, about that. I'm like, is that who is this creepy guy? And then when That's he so approaches funny. her at the bar and it's like, the, you look like someone I could talk to and all this stuff. But she tries to get her coffee to well, go. I don't even know if you remembered, but uh, did you watch this movie more than once? Yeah, I did. I so I watched because I didn't once. pick it up until the second time. But he's the guy at the picnic who comes oh, up yeah, to her and th- is like, and is like, "Oh, is your number on here?" Yeah, exactly. He has the. It's like he has the worst approach of like accidental creep. I'm sure Drew and I, you and I both. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I have a, I have a long history of accidental creep moments. Nowhere near this guy. This guy is in another <laughs> stratosphere of accidental creep. He's like saying the worst possible things, uh, but it's it it leads to a great character moment when it, when she is officially like trying to walk away from him, and uh, he grabs her arm and is like, "Would it be interesting? To, would you be interested to hear that I destroyed documents and all that stuff?" And from that point on, the everything changes, and he becomes a a, a really crucial piece to the story. Mm-hmm. So that's that character turn was really unexpected and a really cool surprise. And then in addition to that. I felt like the performance was super strong, like especially when he's talking about how his cousin just passed away the day before. Yeah. And he tells that story of how the, 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 the surgical mask he wore was like soaked with blood 
from the nosebleeds. And it's just a heartbreaking delivery of the scene. And it's a beautifully acted thing. And he's really not in the movie that much, but he makes a huge impact and is a really, really great performance, I thought. Yeah, totally. Well, we've been talking a lot about performances, but we mentioned earlier briefly that uh, Soderbergh really kind of seems like an actor's director. I think it's a perfect time to lead back into Soderbergh. Definitely. Let's, I, we got to talk about him as a director. So for those who don't know who Steven Soderbergh is, he is kind of a product of the independent film movement of the, the early 90s. He um, had a movie that went to Sundance in uh, 89, it looks like, wow. um, called Sex, Lies, and Videotape that blew the doors off of Sundance and just like made people like freak out. Like they were like, holy shit. Uh, and it was just this, this independent film that, you know, just got all kinds of attention. So he was an early kind of precursor to the Quentin Tarantino's, the Robert Rodriguez's of, of that era. Um, he was one of the, the early guys doing, you know, low budget independent film. Um, but from there, you know, he kind of, developed his voice for a few years he made some movies called uh kafka king of the hill the underneath and then um made a movie under a pseudonym called uh schizopolis uh and yeah just kind of was kind of finding his his ground he really hadn't found his voice it felt like at that point um but really the movies that solidified who he was as a filmmaker it felt like were out of sight the limey and then this movie uh, kind of in succession there. Um, Out of Sight is a great, great little romantic uh, cops and robbers movie with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. If you haven't seen it, highly, highly recommend. Um, the Limey, I have not seen, but has been on my list for a long time, is another one that I've toyed with putting on the board at some point. But uh, it's like an old old guy gangster movie with Terrence Stamp in it. Uh, it, it. It seems like a lot of fun. I've been meaning to watch it for years. Um, but then he followed it up with his year 2000, which is one of the more insane years in filmmaker history because he had Aaron Brockovich and Traffic in the same year, both of which were nominated for tons of Academy Awards. Wow. Um, so Aaron Brockovich was nominated for five Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Actor, or excuse me, Best Actress, Julia Roberts, who won. Um, and then the rest were just nominees, but they were nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Albert Finney, Best Director, Steven Soderbergh, and then Best Writing for Susanna Grant for the screenplay. Um, but in the same year, he also had Traffic, which was nominated for also Best Picture, Best Director, um, wow. <laughs> uh, Best Writing, Best Film Editing, and Best uh, Actor in a Supporting Role for Den uh, Benicio Del Toro. And guess what? That one. So between the two movies, they were nominated for 10 Academy Awards. Um, Traffic as opposed to Aaron Brockovich, which only won Best Actress. Traffic won four Oscars. It won for editing, writing, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Del Toro, and Best Director for Steven Soderbergh. He was nominated for Best Director for both movies in the same fucking year. Have you ever seen Traffic, by the way? I have not. Neither um, have I. I'm putting it on my maybe as we speak. I've never yeah. seen it. Go for it. Uh, it. It's. I feel like it's going to be a movie of its time a little bit, you know? Well, this this um, is too, in a way. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, I I, I agree yeah. with you. Um, yeah, he was on a hot streak for sure, and it's always insane when those things happen. When like a director is nominated for two movies in the same year, it's like whoa, they're like that. That I is mean, really, it doesn't happen. Like, it's so rare. I the only other time I can think of is happened. Francis Ford Coppola. He did yeah, it with Godfather Two in the conversation, but that's yeah. the only one that comes to mind. It may have happened. Well, but that was that, Best but. Picture. Was he nominated for Best Director for both of them? I don't know for sure, actually. Um, but I mean, it doesn't but, matter. I, either way, it's incredible. Yeah, but the point being, like, yeah, these hot streaks can just get get kind of nutty, and I'm really curious to see traffic for one of these reasons, or for primarily this reason in a way. I want to see his style in that movie. So I myself have seen, you know, a solid number of Soderbergh friends, I would say. I've seen Contagion, all the Oceans movies, uh, Logan Lucky, which I think is pretty underrated. I love Logan Lucky. Magic uh, Mike I, rules. I saw that with you, by the way, in, when I was in Denver last time visiting. We ended up watching Logan Lucky at Eric's house, actually. And I had I had no expectations at all, which, you know, as we talked about, is healthy. I forgot and, that we watched that when you were in town. That's great. Yeah. And I was like, this movie's this movie's great. Um, but what I love about say movies like Logan, Logan Lucky and oceans, the oceans trilogy is their vibe is so, so different than something like Aaron Brockovich. Like Aaron Brockovich is kind of patient, cleanly edited. Like there's not a lot of flashy editing outside of like, just, and this is not even flashy, but like wipes and like just little fade outs. It's a very patiently shot and patiently edited film. And then you look at something like, Ocean's Eleven and Logan Lucky that's hyperkinetic, doing all sorts of wise, uh, wild cuts and things. So, like, point being, he seems really diverse in style. Like, he seems like he can tackle a lot of different energies. It, he absolutely can. But what I find really fascinating about him is even though he's tackling all those things and doing these variety of tones, for some reason, I still feel like I'm watching a Soderbergh movie every time I watch them. You know, I, like... Something about the way he uses a camera, the way he, you know, lights and, and stages his films and, and the way he frames, it, it's something intangible. Um, and it kind of brings to mind like a Fincher quote, a David Fincher quote, where he said, there's, there's people that will say there's a million places you can put a camera. And I think that's wrong. He said, there's two places to put a camera and one of them is wrong. So there's only one place to put a camera. Dude, and that's that's the most Fincher shit of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess once you get the camera set up, you got to do a hundred takes. No, I um, that reminds me so much of something that Mike Nichols, the director, and Soderbergh himself were talking about in the commentary mm -hmm. track of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mike Nichols made the point of how beautiful but also terrifying it is when you're when you're framing a shot. And Soderbergh completely agreed with this. And someone will suggest, whether it's the DP, the camera operator, or the director themselves, a very small change. And then all of a sudden, the shot just comes alive. And he's like, the, the really weird emotional reaction to that that directors have is like, oh, you love when it happens. But it terrifies you to think about how many shots are wrong, though. Like yeah, how many don't have that. Yeah. How many times did we not make that tiny little adjustment that makes everything so much more alive? That's interesting. And it can be kind of dreadful. And it reminds me a lot of what you're saying Fincher said, you know. Yeah. But I, I just think about it because like when I watch a Soderbergh movie, you know, it's never like hyper flashy camera work. 
but the camera's always there in the right spot. He doesn't cut a lot. He he's very deliberate with his camera, um, and and it's it's one of these things where I I really think it's just instinctual. He just knows how to frame something to deliver exactly the emotion that he wants from that scene, and it always impresses me. I don't have as much familiar familiarity with his work as you do, but um, I want to I want to see more of his stuff and see if I notice his thumbprint. I also think it's really interesting to note in terms of like, as we're talking about him developing his style, this movie was the last movie that he was not his own cinematographer on. Whoa. Um, so his, his cinematographer on this one was Ed Lockman. Um, but every movie he made after this, he's been his own cinematographer. And I think this movie is in a lot of ways, like where he defined kind of what the look of a Steven Soderbergh movie is. Um, and then he kind of just carried that torch through the rest of his career. Mm. Anyway, I, I think we've done enough talking on Soderbergh. Everyone should too. watch more of his movies just cause I think he's a really interesting artist. Um, but I did, you know, before as we're kind of going through people involved in this movie, uh, are you are you good to move off of Soderbergh? Are you yeah, comfortable? yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think we should talk a little bit about one of the producers of this movie, uh, a little known guy, little guy in general, uh, <laughs> known as Danny DeVito, who was one of the main producers on this movie. Did and you a lot catch people, it in the title card? I did, and I was excited. But I also, I'm also familiar with Devito as a filmmaker and producer. Mm. Um, I, I think he's a, just a fascinating artist. Like you would never think the guy who plays Frank Reynolds and is eating shit literally on TV uh, <laughs> is like the Spoiler same guy. Spoiler alert! <laughs> the, guy, the same guy who is, you know. Uh, directing movies like Hoffa and Matilda and is producing movies like Gattaca and Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty and Reality Bites. Like he's a prolific producer who is like responsible for some really, really interesting, diverse works of art that are not just, you know, absurd comedies or, you know, like he's the dude's an artist. I had no idea about this side of his career. And like, and even until just you just told me, like I noticed that he, was the producer in the opening credits. But I was like, oh, that must not have happened that often. I don't know if it was some dumb reason. I just thought he rarely produced things or whatever. I thought he only acted. That's really cool that he does, and for years and years has done so many different things. I had uh, I had one thing I wanted to bounce off of you. You know, it seems like we're it. kind of, we're rounding the bend. I think we're getting kind of close towards the end, but I wanted to run through just a couple of, of, of shots and things that really stuck out to me. Some technical stuff. Some technical stuff. And there was the one that floored me the most, and there's a bunch I liked. But the opening car accident that after the job interview Incredible. that goes Incredible. Unbelievable. And I had to rewatch it about four times. And the thing, first of all, it just works as being incredibly startling and unexpected the first time you see it. I had remembered it from the first time, so I knew it was coming. How did you react to it when you saw that accident happen? I'm guessing you did not see it coming at all. Well, part of what got me into movies was back in the day watching special features on DVDs in like high school and stuff. That was when I first started kind of thinking about okay, well, how is this constructed? Why does this work? What it, what's effective about this? I had a moment watching that scene in this movie 
that brought me back to those days where like, cause for a long time now, I, I, I have a decent knowledge of how special effects are constructed and like, I can see hidden cuts and stuff. Like I, mm-hmm. I can identify those elements. I didn't see the cut in this fucking thing. I didn't either. Dude. And they do the single trick. shot. They do the single shot watching Julia Roberts get into her car, start the car, pull out of her parking space. And I've watched the scene now probably four or five times. Can't find the fucking edit. I don't know where it is. Same exact experience as mine. So I, I well, first time through the movie, I let it play and was like, and I thought about it. It's like, was there a cut there? Yeah. So then when I was rewatching it today, I rewound it like five times and could not find it. It's incredible. And there's, 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 there's things shifting around in the background. It's certainly not any sort of green screen nonsense. It's shot on location. The, the thought I started having was like, is it not Julia Roberts? Is it a stunt double? But like, it's her. You can no, see it's that it's her. her. It's her. And it's certainly not Julia Roberts driving the car at the accident portion. So no. I don't know how the fuck they did that. And I would love to hear someone... Revealed it. Actually, I don't think I want to know. I think I, don't I like know. that. It's, it's such yeah. a good magic trick that I don't even want to know at this point. I mean, I, I tried to see because, like, a lot of times they'll hide a cut like that um, as, like, a ca- something passes the frame. And that's usually the easiest place that you can put a cut mm-hmm. is, like, and, and I was trying to watch that because they do, as the car's pulling out, it does pass the camera, but it's not in such a close way that you can see a definitive like edit point. Mm-hmm. And like, it's either, it's either the cleanest I've ever seen one of those edits done or it's some weird compositing job. And I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I, I tried to yeah. pick it out. I can't find it. Fucking Bravo. I, I think we agree. Let's keep it a mystery. I don't need to know what it was. Because it was a great, it was unbelievable. No, oh, no, Steve, Stevie won that one. I'm, I'm giving him that W. What if it was just Julia Roberts did the stunt? <laughs> it's possible. And, and the neck brace was real. Yeah. <laughs> if I can, if I can shift tone a little bit, I did have one thing I wanted to talk about, which is like a lot of the, a lot of the parts of this movie are kind of formulaic, fight the system, you know, kind of investigative type movie that we've seen, and you know, a lot of times before. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think doesn't get done enough that I really just love when a movie does, and and this is one of those movies, is when a movie is just about two people from different backgrounds coming together and finding common ground and becoming friends. I think that's a really just beautiful thing. And I think you get that with Aaron Brockovich and uh, Ed Masary, the Albert Finney character. Uh, Because, you know, you watch them start as these two people who are just like, we're just doing a job. We're just getting this shit together. Like, whatever. Like, you know. And and then it evolves from there to mutual respect. And then it Mm -hmm. evolves from mutual respect to genuine, like, appreciation of each other and and what they they do differently that that complements each other Mm. um and i think that that's always really fun to see i you know i listed a few movies that came to mind when i was thinking about like that as a concept for a movie and like some of the ones that come to mind are like midnight run uh planes trains and automobiles uh, philadelphia 
Um, one of my one of my guilty pleasures of all guilty pleasures, The Intern. I love Nancy Myers movies. I think they're <laughs> fucking awesome. And fucking, there's nothing more heartwarming to me than Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro sitting on the bed and just becoming friends. It's beautiful. The um, odd couple. Yeah, but like you know, Jack, funny people, yeah. Goodwill Hunting. These are like movies that just like they they tickle that that bone for me that mm. I'm just like ah, I love I love watching people just one-on-one grow with appreciation for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing too mm-hmm. that I wanted to hit was like I said, I did have issues with the film. I did have scenes that I really, they weren't really working for me and they were kind of cheesy. And I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe they were showing their age or whatever, but I really didn't like all of the confrontation with the additional legal team that was brought in. Peter Coyote and that that businesswoman character. That's who was when very it got stiff. a little too far for me, like with the the mic drop yeah. stuff, like we were talking about before. Yeah, um, I think when she starts to attack that woman in in that thing, so aggressively too. Yeah, and and like that woman is is definitely a dummy, but like it's like yeah, she's a little did, starchy. Did she deserve but... you like tearing her down like that? Yeah. That's what you've got. Like two, I mean, wrong and, and the movie acknowledges ugly that. Shoes. I mean, Albert Finney does say you went yeah. too far with that. Like, yeah, he defends he defends the woman a little bit later on, like you're saying in the parking garage scene, mm-hmm. where they're storming together, and he's like, just because she didn't, just because she went to law school doesn't make her stupid. You have no right to kind of just rip her like that or whatever. And I agree with Finney in that scene, but it just went that the tension they were trying to establish in a lot of those confrontation scenes when they're all on the same side. To me, was they weren't really working, and like well, like Julia I mean, Robertson, like I think you you had problems with Aaron Eckhart, uh, you know, kind of bailing on Aaron at that point in the movie. I mean, I think that's in a lot of ways the same thing that's happening with Aaron in mm-hmm. those scenes, though, where she's going too far, and it's like she's not recognizing the point at which she can take a breath. You know, yeah. like I, I think this, there's specifically the the moment where they first hire that firm and she gets pissed off about it because she's like this is our case like why are we giving this away and finney's like no this is a good thing like they just reimbursed us for all of our expenses and then she doesn't realize it was actually a good thing until he buys her the car and gives her the five thousand dollars for the nanny and it's like that's her like starting to understand oh shit okay like there's a point at which I need to not take this so much on myself. Yeah. No, that's a, I think you make a really good point that maybe a word, maybe I'm not supposed to enjoy these. No, you're scenes. like, that's that. I think it's, maybe supposed, it's supposed to be awkward for yeah, us too. Yeah. I think where, so. Yeah. Yeah. Then if that's so, then that works. Cause that's how I felt. Well, and it's also that's interesting cool. that that's the first time. Well, I mean, outside of the, the women in the office that she constantly like gives snarky comments to, but like, that's a time where she's like she's tearing down another professional woman in that setting too. Yeah, which is interesting. Like in, in terms of like that's when she's going too far. Yeah, I think scenes like when she's rattling off the phone numbers too, yeah. also in confrontation with the with the newly added Very legal written. team. So like cheesy and i was like i'm not buying this she's like anything else you want to know and it's just like this like one too many kind of like you said mic drop scenes the other mic drop scene that didn't really work for me was the one where the three attorneys show up so there's the pipsqueak that comes from pg and e initially the lawyer who gives that bad 250k 
reference. And then there's the three that come, the serious team. They get so easily frazzled that it's just not believable to me. So they come into the room, they sit down, and Aaron starts kind of bulldogging at them. And they, like, can't handle These are supposed to be a, a $28 billion company's expert legal team. And they're th- totally thrown on their heels and they're, like, reeling from this aggressive person. And it's like, aren't they lawyers? Yeah. And then there's that little joke about, like, we had that water brought in special See, that's from the blood. bit that works for me there. Oh, see, I didn't I The didn't, water I being like flown that. in is, like, the mic drop that works. But, like, I, I agree work. with you, the lead-in to that is, is a little... Little, little yeah, and then like the the lawyer is just like staring at the glass in fear and doubt. It's like, eh, I don't know. I'm not, those aren't really working for me. Yeah, that's fair. But all those said, um, there were other ones that really blew me away. Like the 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 image I think I'll remember most from this movie is the sick daughter in between the two parents, like that. And that's one I remembered from the first time I saw it, like long, long time ago. Um, and Aaron kind of being really sweet to her and trying to talk her up, but you can see the sadness in Aaron's eyes too, that she's trying to hide a little bit cause she doesn't want to be too filled with pity towards the girl about in terms of the girl seeing it. That is just like a really heartbreaking and really effective scene that I'll be thinking about for a long time. I think definitely, definitely. No, I mean, it's got, a, it's got a few of those sprinkled in that you're just like, damn. All right. Yeah. Talented. And also. The whoever, like the the female lawyer character, the stiff the stiff one that Aaron's on, did not like the character, did not like the performance. <laughs> okay, no to strikes. end on. <laughs> yeah, like oh, she was just so odd. Like she was just never never tried to get someone's attention before. Excuse me, Mister Bobble, and it's just like who is this person? Well, she sucks. The part, the part where that got me that I was just like, okay, movie, we get it. Was yeah. when was when she's sitting in front of the you know that same couple that you or the same family that you mentioned with the sick girl, and mm-hmm. she's like, please like tell me your medical history, like no no color, like it won't help your case, like she's yeah, like, yeah. come on, I get that she's a shrewish fucking like lawyer lady that's not, has no personality, like I get it, we got it in the last scene, yeah. But she's this bad at talking it's like to clients. Really, like I don't think anyone is that obtuse. But maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the details. Don't tell me about your sick daughter. Don't care. Yeah, it does. It just. It just. I think you're right. I think it just lays it on a little thick at times. Yeah, and it's just like, eh. and that, and that's to me the story of this movie. Like, for me overall, I I definitely liked it, and I'm glad we saw it. And again, it was unlike any we've seen so far in this journey. It was just a solid movie. Nothing super razzle dazzle about it, in my opinion. Yeah, but worth seeing and good, and it was interesting for me to revisit. And I'm glad you got a chance to see it too. Totally. Well, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Wouldn't? What do you say? That sounds good to me, man. Okay. Now that leads to the question of interest: replacement film. Let's and now we're and it's it's really the second week that we've done this. I'm really glad we made this change where it's just alternating now. So uh-huh. just because, just because it, I mean, it just so happens that it was a Drew pick last time. But I like that we're not tethered to that anymore, and I'm excited to see what you have in mind for the board. I told you earlier I was going to shoot from the hip, and I still plan on doing that. Nice. It's coming down to a couple for me. I'm not going to even say them. I'm just going to go with my gut here. Mm. So. Movie that's going up. It is 
a filmmaker that I have recently become very, very fascinated by. He's a not a prolific filmmaker. He's only made, I want to say, four films. His name is Kenneth Lonergan. Never heard of him. And the film is called You Can Count on Me. All right. All right. So Kenny Kenny uh, Lonergan, just a little, little quick context in terms of the movies he's made. He is the filmmaker who made uh, Manchester by the Sea and Margaret, okay. which are two of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Um, he's also a great writer. He uh, wrote the screenplay for Gangs of New York. Um, and he also was involved in some other uh, great stuff. But uh, he's he's primarily a playwright and primarily a, a uh, stage uh, director and writer. But uh, You Can Count On Me was his breakout film with Mark Ruffalo and Laura Linney, and I'm super stoked to watch it. Dude, I like it. I know nothing about it. I like Mark Ruffalo. I like Laura Linney. So, I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm curious, excited. What number is this? This then? is going for 10, number one. one if, I'm, I'll, number I'll one. put it on here. All right. Here is the current board as it sits right now. At number one, we've got You Can Count on Me. At number two, Ex Machina. Number three, Heaven's Gate. Number four, The Big Sleep. Number five, In the Mood for Love. At number six, The Sixth Sense. Number seven, Moulin Rouge. Number eight, Alan Partridge. Number nine, Days of Heaven. Number 10, Big Daddy. Number 11, Vertigo. Number 12, The Straight Story. Number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number 14, The Exterminating Angel. Number 15, Barton Fink. Number 16, Putney Swope. Number 17, Mother. Number 18, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Number 19, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Number 20, The Ballad of Cable Hogue. Oh, baby. I want to do... Like just maybe not an episode, but let's just have a five minute discussion one day, like a year down the line of like, what's the best board we've had so far? Like, when did we really nail it where everything was a banger and there are no duds? I mean, only mm-hmm. time will tell. But anyway, yes, I'm ready to throw the dart if you are. And let's see what we're watching. Rock on, Jared. The dart has spoken. Is it? The dart has said five. Number five is gonna be wow. Okay, we are getting art housey with it, Jared. All we are right. Gonna, we are gonna be watching in the mood for love, Wong Kar Wai's masterpiece from 1999. Okay, so art housey. Interesting compared to this, right? Because Aaron Brockovich, like we were saying very much a traditional movie, quote unquote, and around the same time. So I think this would actually be a really fun juxtaposition to go from the palate cleanser that was Aaron Brockovich and go to whatever this movie's called. I forget already. In the Mood for Love. It's, In the mood uh, for love. It's, it's one of the greats of all time from Hong Kong cinema. All right. Well, next week it will be In the Mood for Love. For now, uh, we will call it a wrap on Aaron Brockovich hope you guys have a good night and see you next week later thank you so much for listening please remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you like to listen if you want to keep in touch or if you have a bullseye selection you want to send our way drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com if it's for the bullseye make sure you use subject line bullseye confidential follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight 
Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. wanted to do one final quick shout out peter coyote just from (laughs) et and i am and still starting to come back around thinking he might have one of the greatest voices that hollywood has ever produced it's so soothing and like awesome leathery and tobacco it's just an incredible voice performance was solid in this you know nothing over the moon but i just love that voice i love hearing him on he's just a great i know this isn't the sound that this makes at all but i really do feel like his voice sounds like when you like see in a in a a western a guy is like uh tanning his knife on a piece of leather (laughs) that's that's what i imagine his voice sounds like even though i know that's i was thinking like a like a a, when you said western i started thinking like a pistol being pulled from a leather holster (laughs) you know some some things that (laughs) that are more like emotionally accurate than sonic i was thinking something more soothing like just slowly scraping your knife and just like cleaning it on on that leather i don't know what you're actually doing when you do that but you know yeah yeah yeah. it's like some form of sharpening i think or cleaning the blade or something. some leather expert years from now is going to listen back to this episode and send us an email being like what yeah you guys are are way off about? about the purpose of the leather belt and the knife Oh, I'm sorry. That's not the that's not the goal of the podcast, man.